this is not a cliche. A lot of people use it, but your network is equal to your net worth. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor, 24 Sound. 24 Sound is technically an audio production company, but they're way more than that. They're there to help you grow your business from audiobooks to podcasts and everything in between. They're flawless as sound engineers and they're strategic as business partners. Visit them at 24sound.com. You can also email them at hello at 24sound.com. And of course, as a best ever listener, you'll get a best ever discount. Mention best ever and you'll get a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Will Bernard. Hi, Will. Hi, how you doing, Joe? Great, and great to have you on the show. Will is joining us from Santa Clarita, California. Did I pronounce that right? You got it. He's the founder of Bernard Enterprises Incorporated. He's a full-time investor and developer focused on flipping luxury homes with values over a million bucks. He does millions of dollars worth of real estate transactions every year. So really excited to have him on the show. Uh, We personally have just missed each other a couple times when he's been in New York City. I'm excited to meet you in person, Will. But in the meantime, uh, really grateful to have you on the show. So can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Uh, Certainly. I started out in real estate uh, about 10 years ago. I uh, started out with buy and hold. I was buying out of state in Texas, and I didn't have a lot of money at the time of my own. So my first uh, many purchases, probably the first six, seven, eight of them, were all done utilizing a joint venture agreement with a partner who brought in the money, and I took them down. From there, I moved on to land development and spec building, again, out of state in Texas, uh, I was doing a lot in San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth area. And then uh, from there, uh, I got into some some deals when I was starting there, kind of didn't, uh, didn't do it right because you're always going to make mistakes when you first start. And when the market turned, I saw an opportunity here in my own backyard. And that's when I switched gears and went to flipping. So I started rehab flipping uh, houses here and started out one at a time and three at a time and five at a time. And then I progressively uh, got up into higher values to where I started flipping multi-million dollar homes. And that's what I've been doing ever since. What's the time frame just to help the best ever listeners understand the evolution of your career? Okay. So there was a lot of pre before I ever even did a deal. There was a lot of uh, research, uh, education. I went to a big guru seminar here in LA where I got taken by some guru to the tune of twelve or $13,000. So mistake number one, uh, a lot of reading on the internet and reading books and trying to gain some knowledge on, on how to do it, understanding because I wanted to be a buy and holder at first, I needed to understand, uh, getting a deal, understanding operating costs, figuring out cash flows and that sort of thing. And of course I fumbled that to start because you're going to make mistakes when you start that took place. I did probably a couple years of of research and and trying to get over the the fear hump. And then in about 2004, I finally started doing it. And I did that for about two, 
two and a half years buy and hold out of state. And then from that point, I started uh, land development was very interesting to me. And I started getting into that. And I did that for about a year and a half in Texas. And then I also immediately following that did spec building. I did both infill, which is buying a lot in between a neighborhood that has existing houses on both sides and then building a either single family home or duplex. And I also did full developments where you are taking a land parcel, dividing them up, and then building multiple duplex and single family residences. I did that for a couple of years. And then come 2009, when the market really, really changed and, and basically hit bottom over here, we had REOs and short sales galore. And that's when I switched to the fix and flip. And since 2009, I've been doing that. Buying and holding is really different from land development. How did you transition from buy and hold to land development? Wow, great question. You know, I I don't even have an answer as to like the steps on how I did it. I basically just, I'm kind of a math guy. I love the numbers and the land development was like being able to buy a 12 pack and break it up into single cans and sell them off. And I really liked that idea. And so I just went out and did it and I went to the city. I did my due diligence. I found out what I needed to do. Uh, we had, you know, environmental uh, reports and you had a, a lot of things that go into the due diligence of it. So a lot of it was just research and paperwork and it didn't require a whole lot of money until you actually started the process. So I kind of learned as I went and I was, I guess, lucky enough to be able to pull off a great profit on my first land development deal. Did you partner with a land developer who had done it before or were you out on your own? I did have a partner. So that was one benefit. He had never done a full land development, but he had done plenty of spec building here in California uh, during the big boom we had between 2002 and 2006. Okay. Um, So he did a lot of that due diligence, helped me get around, but I was actually the one that pulled us into actually buying a land parcel and dividing it up. And so we took what knowledge he had existing and then kind of learned as we went together from that moving forward. And then spec building after the land development, I mean, that's that's a proven model that your partner is well familiar with. And you probably through your, your interactions with your partner became really familiar with that as well. So that makes sense from the next step, right? Exactly. No question. And then fix and flip, it's, I find that really interesting um, because typically what I found with people I speak to who are in real estate, they start with wholesale, then they go to fix and flip, then they go to buy and hold. But it's the opposite uh, where you started with buy and hold, then you went to development, which there's a complete outlier and I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> then you went to spec building and then you went to fix and flip. Uh, so right. what is, is, did you go to fix and flip because of the opportunity in your backyard or because of the business model that you saw um, and you wanted to transition to something new since you already done buy and hold and development? The transition was definitely because of market conditions, so it was an opportunity. I saw that after the crash, there was a huge opportunity here. So the market told me, hey, there's an opportunity here, and if a a wise, savvy investor is going to switch strategies depending on what the market tells them to do, and that market said, hey, you should buy fix and flip here. Now, when I first started looking into real estate investing way back in like 2000, 
I was actually out looking with agents here in my own backyard for houses to buy, fix, and flip. Unfortunately, back in that time, I had no experience, no capital to speak of. I was self-employed, so I didn't show much of any income. And uh, so I didn't know about creative financing. I didn't know about seller financing. I didn't know about private money and hard money lenders, et cetera. So I never pulled that trigger. When I finally did pull the trigger, it was buy and hold because at that point I was still working my, my business and which was printing offset printing. And I wanted a passive income stream or semi-passive. And let's be real. Landlording is not fully passive income. It is a semi-passive income. So I wanted to be able to do that because I knew I could do that and still run my business at the same time. Well, as I progressed, I found out that, hey, I didn't want to keep doing printing and I wanted to get rid of that altogether and I wanted to do real estate full time. In order to do that, I needed to make enough money and the buy, fix and flip was really the one that gave me that cash influx to be able to say, hey, I can totally quit my job and live off of this. And, and spec building was the same because I could live off of that income. So based on your experience as a buy and hold, a land developer, a spec builder, a fix and flipper, and an overall real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say this is not a cliche. A lot of people use it, but your network is equal to your net worth. I think that for anyone, whether you're starting out or you've already built some of the business, the bigger your network, the more money you're going to make. And what I mean by network is these are people that you know, whether they're real estate agents or other investors, developers, your real estate attorney, just building your network and getting yourself surrounded by other people, uh, both with money or with experience or with some kind of knowledge in your field, that is going to tremendously help you throughout your career and, as, and essentially make you more money. What's a tip that you have for the best ever listeners and one that you personally do to build your network? Network. <laughs> uh, I attend a lot of real estate clubs. I also, as you are aware, I am a big player on bigger pockets. I'm there pretty much every day. I've built quite a bit of a, a large network just strictly from bigger pockets. But getting out and telling people what you do there and, and asking for referrals. You know, I talk to my accountant, I say, Hey, I'm looking for a partner on this deal. Do you know of anybody? Well, that accountant does taxes for, you know, other wealthy individuals and could place somebody with me. So they they make a call and and boom. So knowing my accountant turns into knowing three or four different people. Knowing my real estate attorney turns into so-and-so. Family members turns into more and more. So you just keep always tell people what you do and put yourself out there. You can't sit at home and sit in your office and expect to build your network. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, shoot. A quick word from our best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners, if you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24sound at 24sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning Best Ever. Best Ever book you've read? I would have to say Verbal Judo is the best ever book I've read. That's written by George Thompson. And it's not about real estate. It's basically called The Gentle Art of Persuasion. And it allows you to negotiate better, allows you to understand people and their emotions and how to deal with people who are either verbally abusing you or saying things. It's a way to deflect 
And it's, it's a very, very powerful book, in my opinion. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. Maybe this is not personal growth, but maybe more business growth. But I would say focusing on one thing and doing it well. One mistake I made was I saw a lot of things that look great. Oh, buy and hold looks good. Oh, spec building, rehabbing. Oh, all this stuff looks good. And I was trying to do too much. And the second I focused on one thing and just powered into that, I really took off in my business. So focusing on one thing and doing it well is... Um, one of my biggest growth experiences. Best ever success habit you practice? Competitiveness by far. I'm, I was born competitive. I'm competitive by nature. Always wanted to win in baseball. Always wanted to win in the board games as a kid. Hate to lose. And, you know, in business, that has really, really propelled me because I always want to do better. So I'm competitive with myself. I'm always trying to break records, always trying to do a better deal. And so that competitiveness is a, a very good habit that I have uh, that's propelled my business. Reminds me of John Wooden, you know, the great basketball coach, where he talks about how it's it's not about competing against the other team, it's about competing against yourself and how the best that you can be. Exactly. You'd like the Mark Cuban video I just tweeted out yesterday, and best ever listeners, uh, this definitely won't be airing yesterday. <laughs> so you can, um, if you just Google on, on, or if you just search in YouTube, uh, Inc. Magazine, Mark Cuban, full interview, you'll be able to see this hour-long interview that Mark Cuban does, and he talks about his competitive nature, and uh, he actually compares it to sports, similar to what you just did. Awesome. I'll look that up. Yeah, it's a really, really good one. I just read it yesterday. Best ever deal you've done? I'd have to give that to my seven-figure uh, spread deal where I actually had a, a million-dollar profit on a rehab flip. That was a seven-acre, 7,200-square-foot home in Agora Hills. I sold uh, this April. Uh, it was a long project, but uh, my biggest profit ever on, on one deal. Can you give us some more details on that? That's really interesting. Sure. Uh, I bought this as an REO. Uh, I bought it uh, for just over 800000 And this was a big, big mess. The listing agent and the seller, which was the bank, they had it uh, did on the market as uh, the whole house and horse property down below with river and guest house and so forth and so on. But lo and behold, they when they did the loan and foreclosed on the borrower, they only did the loan and encumbered the house portion because this whole property had a about 10 or 11 APN numbers, which are uh, different parcel lots, all as one property. But when they encumbered it, they only encumbered the lots that had the house. So they didn't own all the horse property down below. They didn't own uh, the guest house and all the area down by the river. So... When I found that out and discovered it and made them aware of it, they said, well, take it or leave it, buy it at this price for just the house portion or walk away. And I said, oh, heck no. So I ended up in a big lawsuit with them that went on for a very long time. The original purchase price was supposed to be 1.2, then it went to 1.1. And finally, we settled out of court. I got them down to just on just over 800,000. And then subsequently, after I started rehabbing the house, I was able to get in touch with the owner of the lot's and uh, put that together as a separate transaction, purchased it, and then I basically put the whole property back together again. This was a long process. I basically built the house because the only thing that was there was down to the studs, and I had the roof and the foundation. Everything else on the inside was gutted, and I had to re- basically rebuild this house. But I had a great spread, and I ended up selling it for $3.35 million. Congratulations. When was that? 
Uh, sold in April and I purchased it. Oh God, it was probably a year and a half, year and three quarter, pro- year and a half project. I'd have to look that up. Best ever quote. My favorite best ever quote is the rich act in spite of fear while others allow fear to stop them. What's that mean to you? It means that in everything we do, uh, particularly in real estate, but in everything we do, there's risk involved. And the rich find a way to mitigate risk as much as possible. And they will still continue. They will move forward and do a deal or they will take that step out into the street, you know, with with oncoming cars, knowing that they can get away. They can they can they're going to make that deal happen. So in real estate, a lot of people don't do it because there's this huge fear factor. Oh, I'm scared about taking on debt. I'm, I'm scared of messing up the numbers. I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. And then they don't do it. And that is the biggest mistake. You have to get over your fears. And by and to do that, you have to get educated and you have to just pull the trigger. You can't sit there and let fear stop you. So you, you've got to act. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Overpaying for homes. When I first started, I, I overpaid. I basically paid full retail for homes and uh, thought I was going to have an excellent dollar of cash flow. And it didn't turn out to be so. So I made those mistakes. But those mistakes turned out to be a great education. And though they may cost me money, I look at it as going to the real estate school, you know, college. You know, I had to pay a tuition to go to college. Well, I paid my tuition by losing some money on some deals. What's the best ever place to reach you, Will? Uh, my website, which is Bernard Enterprises, Inc. That's B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Enterprises is spelled out in plural, dot com. Or you can send me an email at info at bernardenterprises.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice and your career progression. Uh, I think that's really interesting to hear how you went from buy and hold to land development to spec building to you know fixing and flipping million-dollar homes. And the anatomy of the million-dollar profit deal is incredibly interesting. I know for every best-ever listener, regardless of if they're doing fix and flipping or not, and really grateful to have you on the show. So much appreciated, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe. 